Here we go. Start again. <clears throat> All right. Why start the weekend with the same old politics as usual? Host Trevor Garner invites you to loosen up from the daily grind and join him every Friday night on air at 9 p.m. Pacific time for happy hour. At the bar, there's no agenda. It's just a group of regulars saying what's on their mind. You'll hear just about every topic at happy hour. Romance, classic rock, crappy old sitcoms, what Trevor had for lunch, your ex's herpes. What? Okay, well, maybe not the last one. Whether you're a newcomer or a regular, you're always welcome to jump right into the conversation. If you're too shy to call into the show, you can always flame away by joining the online chat by logging on to trevorshappyhour.com. You'll find a million ways to have fun during Trevor's Happy Hour. There's no other radio show like it. The bar is open for business every Friday night on air at 9 p.m. Pacific time. Once you've partied at the bar, you'll always come back for more. So make sure you call in. Call 714-798-9806. That's 714-798-9806. Join the Attention bar patrons, happy hour has begun. Drinks are our half price and it's time to loosen up from your work week. Show some love to your bartender, that lovable loudmouth with absolutely no filter, Trevor Garner. What do you know about this world? hard to face it what are your future plans get off your throne get off your throne and have a little faith in this Trevor's happy hours on we made it somehow we made it with Mark Latell I don't know it's been it's been a, a journey but we found him Somewhere in the middle. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm up in the I'm up in the frozen north right here. Today was a field day because we had a, a heat wave come through of uh, 38. Uh, but eight days ago it was uh, minus 42 wind chill. So what you know we're we're basking. Minus so, 42, and you're like you're in what Dakota? Which one? North or south? North, of course. You're north. Okay. <laughs> Oh, everybody says they can hear you. Okay, so we're doing something right. We're doing something right. Trevor's yeah. happy hour. Michael. We're not. We're not going to take any calls uh, until after the uh, interview, <clears throat> because. All right. But we've got the chat room, and people are asking questions. They want to know. I, right. I, I didn't know, Mark. I didn't know that you were like such a cult figure. I mean, there's there's something about you that people like gravitate towards. Yeah, I'm kind of a character, you know, I guess sometimes I'm kind of an idiot. I'm stupid. <laughs> I ride I ride bulls and take shots in the nuts and stuff like that. Right. You know. Well, we have to get you into know, it. We have to get we got to talk about your family jewels and all that, but you know, it's just right. you you like made a living off of your family jewels and it's just interesting how you like started. But let's get back to 1971. Now, let's get back before right. that. Let's get back to when you were born. Okay, you were born. Oh boy. You were born, okay? That that happened. Yeah. And then and you were like on yeah. the uh you were like in Missouri at the bottom, like what was it called? The boot? Boot heel. Mm, redneck. I'm 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 bonafide redneck. I'm not a hillbilly. 
Hillbillies right. are different. They got six fingers and they're inbreeds pretty much. I'm <laughs> I'm Flatlander. Okay. So, so you're a redneck, but you're not a hillbilly. That's exactly right. I got some relatives that are rednecks and they're not afraid to pull the cork, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Okay, well, okay, when you, these are great. Okay, I want to talk about when you were a young kid, did you know you were a, like a redneck? No, I didn't have an idea. I just went out there on the farm and just, you know, uh, I tried to play catch with my dad, but he got shot all the hell in Korea. And my mom had been carrying me for three months. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, a black guy and an Indian drug him out of no man's land, and they thought he was dead. Right, and uh, my brother wouldn't have been born, so uh, your brother I covered that in my uh, some of my material. But it's uh, it's an interesting place where I grew up because it was formed by a, an earthquake that was really pretty damn big. It was the largest one in the United States, and everybody thinks the San Andreas Fault is a big deal. Well, the New Madrid Fault's a little bit bigger than the San Andreas Fault. Matter of fact, it backed up the Mississippi River, uh-huh. but it did it in three months. So whatever. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. That, but, that's, but it's like it just seems to like you hang your hat on being this redneck guy. Well, you know, I kind of am, but I, I mean, I'm a cultured redneck too. I, I I can clean up pretty good at times. You know, I mean, I mean, I I go to the right joints and I hang out maybe with the right people. But you know, if you want to get down and dirty, I I guess I can do that too because I've been there. When did you and, graduate? Uh, when did you graduate from high school? Yes. No, seventy seventy one. Oh, yes. you did. You did graduate. I did graduate. Okay. Yes, and I'm eighty. Well, first of all, if you hadn't figured it out, I'm ADD as hell. <laughs> yeah, I know. So. <laughs> anybody, anybody that like uh, listens to Mark Littell, who was a uh, major right. league baseball player. I mean, the, he like just I, let you talk. I don't want to talk. You tell me. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing about it is. Uh, yeah, I signed out of high school, Gideon High School, and we had maybe 900 people in the town. My brother was a year and 16 days behind me, and he caught he caught me, and uh, he went to Mississippi State and played, and he, he got drafted twice as a catcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you got a brother pair out there on the mound and in the middle of nowhere, and there's cotton fields all around, and you know you got a few scouts showing up to see this uh, this guy throw a baseball kind of hard out there and so they're trying to figure out if this guy is uh mature enough to uh get drafted and uh, be part of the the right thing yeah but and, your uh, brother okay so your I, brother eric your brother's name is eric correct yes that's right yeah eric okay and he's and, uh, if we didn't like if we didn't like the way if we didn't like the way an umpire was you know calling a game he'd just point to his mask and he wouldn't give me a sign he'd just like back backing up a, a you know a a big truck, you know, back there, a, a freight liner. He just, with the back of his hands, just come on. He wouldn't give me a sign, and he let the ball fly, and I was throwing pretty damn hard. And we knocked one umpire back a couple feet, and he went down, and my Eric was pretty cool. And he just pulled his mask off and sat there in a commander's stance and, you know, crushed his glove up on his left hip. And, and then when the guy came up 20 seconds later, he came up into his face, and he said, "You do that shit again, I'm gonna kick your ass out." <laughs> and Eric was pretty cool, and he and, but, said, "You're but, not gonna kick me out. I'm the only guy that can catch him." <laughs> right, but okay, let's oh. okay, let's rewind. We got to rewind back to high school, or like grade school. Right. Like when you and Eric were coming up as grade schoolers, how did? I mean, first of all, you lived in a yeah. town. You live in a town where you said 900 people. 
Yeah. Well, I lived outside of town. You know, lived on a cotton and soybean farm, and you know, and then uh, Eric and I was we were pretty much called the gruesome twosome. So right. you put us together, something so, was going to happen. Right. So you okay. Know. So so, but everybody in the town would know who you are. It's like here they come again. Okay. I. I, I oh hell yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We rode around in a 46 Willys Jeep, you know, because we was driving in the... I mean, heck, when I was 15 years old, I blew up my dad's truck with dynamite by accident. But, I mean, I caught hell over that. Really? And, uh, that you, wasn't good. You, what, I mean, it what, 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 blew what, all the freaking windows out and everything else. What prompted <laughs> you to blow up your dad's truck? Well, we, we talked my dad into letting us blow a stump up in Tallapoosey, Missouri, where we had a farm. It was my mama Sally's. And so we went and raided the kitchen, then we were not, you know, to blow this big old oak stump. So we had to coax him really good for about three days and did everything right on the farm. And so he finally let us do it. And so we took a half a case of dynamite up there, and, and he said to put 12 sticks underneath the, the big old oak stump. And we got to thinking, well, this is pretty big, so why don't we just put 18 sticks? It didn't matter. But the one thing he said was when you, when you blow this stump, he said – he said, you light it, you light the cord? And I said, yeah. He said, you don't cut it. You walk away from it. Well, okay. Well, I parked the truck 12 feet away, and then I lit the cord, and I got into the truck to start it. And so Eric was in there. I said, hey, you ready to go? He said, yeah. So we put a five-minute fuse on it. You know, one foot equal one minute. Right. So we had five-foot fuse. And so I start the truck, and the truck starts, and I put it in gear, and he goes, rang, 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 rang. and then it goes, and he goes back. I, I put it in reverse. Rang, rang. I put it back. Rang, rang. I mean, shit, I'm in trouble. So I look at Eric and I said, we got to go. So we had to leave the truck by the stop. And dad said not to cut the cord. So we went out about 50 yards and that wasn't even far enough. And the truck was between us and the stop. And we, we got five minutes later, there was shit all over the place. I mean, yeah. it wasn't real. It's like you, you came <laughs> up, okay, your second book is out, Country Boy Conveniently Wild. It should be, no, it should be B-O-Y-S, you and your brother, Eric. Yeah. Oh, Eric's the uh, most used uh, name in there. He got three tickets in a four-month span when he was 15. <laughs> and so he had to go to court. And Jimmy Joe Bloomfield was the judge then. And he, he said, boy, I don't know how you did it, Eric. He says, I just don't get it. He says, I don't think anything's going to get through to you. So he made him write the Missouri uh, manual for both the uh, you know the trucks and the, and the vehicles. So he was all pissed off around Christmas time. He was getting yeah. out of shape bad. I'm beginning to think Eric was worse than you. No, 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 no. Eric was younger, and I would lead him in, and I was the—he caught on. He was smart. I was the one. Dad would wear his butt out, and he caught on, but I never seemed to catch on, you know. And so I was the one who got my butt wore out all the time. And then uh, we had rat killings on Sunday afternoon after church, usually, (laughs) and I blew up a pump house. And uh, with five gallons of gas and five gallons of diesel, we had a 100-pound German shepherd named Fritz. We always took him because he was a good hunting dog, we thought. And and we'd take our machetes and baseball bats and, and uh, five gallons of gas, five gallons of diesel, and a couple boxes of matches. And we just, those rats come out all soaking wet. We'd just start flipping matches all over them, you know. So they'd be running around all over the place. And and then uh, I was inside. And I didn't think anything was coming out. And, and you know, at a pump house, its walls are really thick, and so you couldn't hear shit. And I was deaf anyway because I was—I went deaf when I was twelve. You did? Uh, I didn't one know. Year, so they, wow. they had to send—they had to send me to Central Institute of the Deaf. And uh, 
And Eric couldn't really talk because he had a growth on his throat. So he had one guy couldn't hear and one guy couldn't talk. And so I see this flame go down this hole when I'm on the inside. And before I got the T out of the SHI, I was blown completely out the door. And, you know, my brother was just laughing his butt off. So I'd start beating the crap out of him. And mom and dad weren't even home. They were out driving and looking at the farm on a Sunday afternoon. So they came back home. This pump house is smoking. We're chopping holes up in it. So that, that didn't go over well either. Wow. Um, it's just, but but you're like, again, uh, the what? Boot boot what? Boot hill? Boot hill. Hill. Like right. a boot hill. Boot if, hill. You look, if you look at the state of Missouri, there's a boot you, hill that hangs down. We're right, we're right next to Memphis and uh, right on the Mississippi River. Tennessee, Tennessee and, uh, and Arkansas. Tennessee and Arkansas. Yeah, Tennessee and Arkansas. That's the part Arkansas didn't want, is that heel. And so they said, Missouri, you can take it. So we did. You and answered so it's flat. But you answered yeah. you answered a question by just you talking. Because I, I did I did some research and like the Boston dictionary says Missouri and you keep saying Missouri. Okay, no, okay. Tell me about that. I'm Southern boy. If you go if you go to Sykeston, Missouri, which is thirty miles above us, they're all northern, you know, Yankee type people. Mm-hmm. They talk funny. I mean Yankees. like Rush Limbaugh, he was in Cape Girardeau. So okay, that's Yankees. And so if you go down obviously in the Arkansas side, you know, you get some, you know, inbreeds and retards. And so <laughs> you know, and you get, you know, guys that they, they basically grunt when they talk. You know. Right. So that's what, and I played, I played Arkansas, I played Legion Ball in Bible, Arkansas, and then, uh, so, I mean, that was all good, because I got along with those guys pretty good, because I loved their barbecue, uh-huh. and that was a good thing about it, but I also, we also let a Martin Luther King march one time by accident, and that was 10 days before he got shot, so that was real interesting, and, uh, and then, that's in the book as well. And then, huh? okay, we have to get back to the book, because, hey. Hey, uh, I posted up your book. It's in the uh, nickel shop. Yeah. It's in the nickelshopper.com to, for people to buy. Okay. No, for people to buy your book. It's like, you know, you know where the Apple Valley is in Victorville, like in the high desert here in California. I coached there. I coached there one year in Victorville. No, it, yeah, uh, like, yeah. if you go to the nickelshopper.com, go to like page yeah. uh, page nine, you'll see your uh-huh. you'll see your picture. And like, oh, oh really? and yeah, and it'll say to buy your book. Okay, it, it's already in there, and, and you're, they're listening to you right now. No way, it's unreal. But the first book was on the eighth day God made baseball, and right. that was the first one. I got a third one coming out, but since I'm ADD, I wrote three books all at once and didn't even know it. So I wrote, <laughs> you know, so the, the, the gal who, you know, somebody said it had deep pockets. He said, hey, we, you make us laugh. And I said, why? He said, we like the way you write. And I said, if you only read five you know, little stories. How many stories you got? I said, 30 or 40, I think. I don't know. So they said, well, we'd like to back you. I said, no shit. And so I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, thinking about it. And so they bring this person in that can edit this thing, you know, and try to keep my voice and stuff. And right. so, I mean, I was pretty close on everything anyway. She said, hey, you're not bad at this, but she was laughing. She said, you can kind of stop after a week. She read it, you know, and she went through it and, she said, you can stop. I said, why is that? She says, well, you just wrote three books. Did you hear my I intro? Said, no hey, Mark, did you hear? I said, yeah. Mark, did you hear my yeah. intro? It says, like, this is Trevor's happy hour. The guy has no filter. I have no filter. I just, like, say what comes to my mind. You're kind of like me in a no way. No fucking uh, way. Yeah, yeah. I have no, I just, whatever comes to my mind, and I get, like, in trouble all the time because of it. 
Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, well, you're like that. Okay. Anyway, I'll, I'll I'll go backwards. Okay, here we go. Where are you going? No, no. I'm just, anyway. But the first book was uh, about baseball, uh, unfortunately. But th- that's a really funny read because everybody liked the first book, and I said, well, the second book's going to be better because it's more like me. And uh, it, the first book is really funny, though. I mean, I did some really funny things in baseball, and uh, I've got some really. The last chapter in the first book on Eighth Day God Made Baseball was uh, uh, Forrest Gump statistics because I really had some off the chart statistics that were funny. It's not like I'm puffing my chest out or anything. It's just no. That this, is my, this is what I want to talk huh? about. I want to talk about this. You said something okay. that I read. It said you don't really like talking about baseball. It's all about statistics. Okay, you like stories. Yeah. You like stories. Okay, that's where that's where we're okay. going with this. And you know yes. what? Statistics, they're, they're statistics. But but you're a true redneck, and your stories of your youth, right. you know, you're a true redneck. I mean, that's those, but how you became who you are, that's what I want to get right. into. Well, if you want that, you know, I did a ramp. I, I have a chapter in the second book called Rampaging Cow. And I was up at Mama Sally's in Tallapoosie, Missouri, and there was this lady across the road, and her name was Miss Pettigrew. And so Miss Pettigrew, she might be the only lady in southeast Missouri that had a cow because it was all farm crops, you know. But she had this milk cow out there. Her husband had died, and my my brother and I were looking for trouble at ages, you know, 13 and 12. <clears throat> my dad yelled at us, and he said, hey. You boys come here, and we were like 80 yards off, and we, we just ran over there, and there, there was a cow in the front yard, and and there was a gravel road out there, and then there was Miss Pager's house and barn on the other side. He said, I want you to take that cow back over to the barn. I said, okay. And uh, Eric and I said, yeah, okay. So we put a rope around it, and uh, we took it back over to the barn. Well, the big deal about this cow is that, Eric and I had always heard Uncle Jack and Uncle Bill and my dad talk at the table about dog push. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we tried to figure out what dog push was. Well, we finally figured it out. And dog push was when they put turpentine on a dog's butt that came into the yard that was mangy. And they, he, you know, drop his, drop his butt right on the ground. And then he starts scooting across with his front, front butt. And he just scoot out of the yard, you know. Wow. And so... So Eric, Eric and I put the cow up, and then we, he said, fix the latch for that cow getting out. I said, no problem. So, it, you know, we found the, the tools and all that. And so I got to thinking, it, like I said, it wasn't my brother. It was me that got in trouble usually. <laughs> and I said, why don't we do what Dad, Dad and Uncle Bill and Jack did with the cow? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, why don't we get a corn cob and soak it and just, you know, put it up there? And, and he said, you can do that. He said, you can do the dastardly deed on that. And I said, so, okay, so we'll see. So anyway, I lit the cow up and, you know, hit the sweet spot and backed off and nothing happened for 20 seconds. Then all of a sudden it started doing the same thing dogs did. And so then it started getting really mad and weird. So it started kicking the bar apart and tearing it apart. Then we exited. So we went back to eat lunch and my mama Sally said, you know, go in there and wash your hands, and then we'll say prayers. And we said, yeah, lots of prayers, you know, because Dad came in. <laughs> so Dad came in, put his, put his hat on top of the refrigerator, and he said, you boys get that, that cow up? Yeah. And I said, yes, sir. And Eric said, fix the latch, too. And I said, well, that's good. I'll go over and check your workout. We're just kind of rolling our eyes, you know. Well, anyway, Miss Pettigrew, within about two minutes, she's coming over there, and she's yelling outside the screen door, 
and we had all the fans going. We didn't didn't have AC back then at all. But <clears throat> Miss Pettigrew is yelling, Alan, Alan, and she said, and he, and he says, come on in here, Miss Pettigrew. And she comes in and says, Alan, my cow has gone mad, and it's just tearing up my barn. And so, oh, gosh. So anyway, he says, I'll go, ahead, go ahead and go back. And he says, I'll be right over there. Well, she gets out the door. He gets his cap on. He looks at us, points his finger. And him being a Marine that got shot all the hell over there, we didn't blink when he said, what did you two boys do to that cow? So I said, well, we did what you and Uncle Jack and Uncle Bill did, and only did, I did it with a corn cob. He said, I'll deal with you two later. And my mama Sally's just sitting there shaking her head, you know. So that was. But you don't. But, tried to sell. Yeah, but, yeah, but Mark, Mark, but Mark you, yeah. Don't, you don't lie in your stories. You're telling the truth. Everything's the truth, I say. I, I put a doggone Yankee teacher we had in from Connecticut. I put him in a cotton picker one day in a basket because he said he wanted to see all the cotton. He said, your dad would show me. You got to show me how, to, how you pick cotton. And so we had cotton vacation down there for two weeks. We'd get yeah. school, and then we'd go cotton vacation for 10 days, and then we'd, you know, you know, back. So everybody had to have all the hands. Well, this the guy from Connecticut, James F. Fenton Jr., Mr. Fenton, comes over there, and he already slapped the shit out of a kid one time, and the kid came up and hit him on the first day and hadn't even announced himself yet. It was pretty cool. And so, and the reason he was got in trouble because he was popping Jamie Lawrence's bra. And so, you know, wow. anyway, the guy comes over there and slaps him, and, and we never seen anybody slap anybody, a teacher, right in front of everybody. He went up and popped him, so he got a 10-day suspension, and uh, that was pretty funny. But this guy comes out there, and and, uh, and I said, look at that idiot. He's, he's going through the, uh, the field sideways through the rows. You know, he's coming up the row right. What an idiot. So... And uh, so Eric's driving, he's doing the cotton picking, and I'm above him uh, where the cage is, and he's, Eric shuts the, shuts the cotton picker off, and Fenton says, hey, your dad said you guys had shown me how you guys pick cotton, you know, because, you know, out in the Midwest and everything, everybody's real nice, and they always ask you out for dinner, and, you know, you got this weirdo yank from somewhere in Connecticut wanting to see cotton, and he's going to get a free dinner out of this, so we kind of got to be nice to him. So anyway... I said, yeah, we'll show you how to pick cotton. And then I got the bright idea. I get these on the spur of the moment. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we will show you how to pick cotton. We'll put you up in the cage up here in the basket. Yeah. And Eric looked over his shoulder up at me because he's in front of the wheel. And he's, and he's like, what are you doing here? And I said, you put your foot here, 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 here. And then Eric will put the hydraulics on to lift this whole thing up so you can get in there. So that's exactly what he did, and so I dumped his butt right in there with all the cotton, and, you know, it sprays out, you know, from the suction, and the spindles get it. And so there's no way you can get out. You know, you shut it, and you don't even have to lock it. You can't lift it. So we're going up and down the road, and Eric's sitting there saying, yelling at me. He says, what are you doing? He said, you're going to kill him. I said, no, he'll figure it out. And he says, where is he at right now? I said, so I peeked around the corner. He couldn't hear crap because of the engine. And I said, well, he's got his fingers on the cage and his mouth's out there sucking air, you know, between the webbing. And so I said, I told you he'd figure it out. He says, and then we make another trip back through and he's packed in there like a sardine. And so Eric said, where are you going to dump him? I said, dump him in the trailer, dump him in the cotton trailer. And I said, why are you going to do that? I said, 
Well, he says, you'll kill him. I said, no, I won't. There's cotton in the bottom of the trailer. I said, dump him out. I said, cotton goes in, Clinton comes out, and cotton goes on top of him. I'll jump in and dig his ass out. Man, I, poem I, like, I just wrote right there. Mark, you, so, you, were, you, were, you, were like, you were like a bundle of energy. It's like, it's like, hold on a second. It's like, this is country boy conveniently wild. Okay, that's the book. But here's, here's the thing. Right. No, I want to ask you a question about something. Okay, when you, okay, okay when did you grow up? I mean, that's, uh, when, when, did, wait, wait, no, when did you become an adult? I mean, because what oh, I, I have, it, I have, <laughs> no, I mean, I have fun. You I know, know. I, I, tell all the, I, I tell all the millennials to go to hell, basically. I said, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're too white collar nowadays. And you know, you got millennials, kids at 13 to 15 getting carpal tunnel surgery. That's the, that's the newest one from uh, all the, uh, uh, orthopedic surgeons that I know. I said, yeah. can you believe that? I said, how in the hell are you ever going to play baseball if you're getting carpal tunnel from playing, you know, Xbox or in, oh my Nintendo God. or whatever the hell they're playing with? I mean, can you imagine Nolan Ryan, like, like uh, carpal tunnel? <laughs> it's like, yeah, give me a break. Yeah. Uh, it's just, but, but you came up in 1971. Let's get into baseball a little bit. So you came up right. in 71, right? Right. And yep. then, and then, because you know I'm a baseball card collector. You signed your first. Oh. No, but you signed your first contract with Topps Chewing Gum for five dollars. Yeah. Yes. Have, have you ever ca- have you ever cashed that check? <laughs> like, Actually, I did. You know, yeah, for five I bucks. Did. I, did. <laughs> I did cash that check. Cy Burger gave it to me. He's from New York. He came in there to Billings, Montana, and gave me a five dollar check. What do you think about that? Right. <laughs> Yeah. I thought that's pretty damn cool, you know. <laughs> well, okay, so five then, bucks was a- so, so, okay. So yeah, you, uh, but okay, so then, oh man, there's so much I want to talk about. When did the the well, uh, I got a guy named Zombie Wolf. He's in here right now. He's asking a question. He wants the, well, George. George no, no. Brett and I signed the same year. Yeah, yeah. So no, George that's another one. Pick, George, yeah, you probably know that. George Brett is one of my favorites, but. Uh, let's. Let, I want to ask this other question here. Okay, let's get mm. back. Yeah. Zombie goes ba- the baseball stoner years. That's what he wants to talk about. So then. Oh man. Yeah. Okay, man. Years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doc Ellis or whatever, like the. Okay, but hold on a second. Oh, that, that was. That was LSD <laughs> when he was pitching on that LSD. shit, you know, and and, uh, and right. coke. Yeah. <laughs> no, but let's. Okay, but I want you to tell. Was that a true story about the laundromat? Which one? About them drying their weed in the in the dryer? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was hey zombie, no, but, yeah, no, no. Say, say, okay. Tell zombie, this is a, a true okay. story. Say, no, tell zombie. Yeah, uh, zombie, here's what happened: was this uh, a guy in our town? My dad and he played poker, and you know they like to pull the court, so they had some commonalities there. And so he owned a laundromat in Campbell, Missouri, and Gideon, and they both had payphones, so everybody hung out there at night because he had the payphone. And the other thing is, is Byron would do most of his work on his machines. And so he would go in there late at night, like 11, 30, 12, whatever. You know, nobody was in there usually, and, you know, it wouldn't bug him. So he'd go work on the machines, get all the coins out of there, and see you later. Well, he went in there one night, and he said, uh, he walked through the door, and he said, man, he said, he's telling my dad this. He said, Alan, I smell the most god awful uh, smell last night when I walked into the laundromat. And, for, and when you know it, there's three goddamn hippies down there. Three damn hippies down there. And I, I said, really? And he said, and he said, yeah. He said, and I said, what in the hell is that smell? And he said, well, we're we're, we're drying our weed in here. 
You know, he says, uh, he says, well, get that shit out of here. He said, if you don't get that shit out of here and get your asses out of here, I'm going to call Bo Wingo, our sheriff. And, he, and I said, he's pushing 350, and so he, he, can, he can be a mean son of a bitch. And so he said, he said, I'll have to give those damn guys some credit, though. He said, I probably would have done the same thing if I was trying to make a buck. He said, they were just out there picking weed because we had local weed. That's in my book, too. We had, we had uh, weed growing everywhere where I live because there's a chapter in my book called Loco Weed. And you know, so that's that's what they were doing was picking it, and they were from out of state, and they came by in the VW with a basket, and they were just drying it. So it was pretty creative on their part, I guess. Yeah, so, Z- probably Z- CEOs today. Zombie's laughing his ass off because Zombie like smokes so much weed. I mean, I don't think he ever has never has a joint in his hand. He always has a joint. It's like he just smokes <laughs> weed all day. But you 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 don't but you don't judge people. I mean, it's I don't either. Um, I don't care. You know, just you know, just case the raw, raw. Let's play baseball or whatever you want to do. There you, you go. Know, it's okay. like Cuba when I was over in Cuba. You know, those guys were those guys were interesting. You smoke a joint over in Cuba, you go to jail for ten years. You go have a piss on you, go to jail for ten years. You can't do anything over there. I mean, they got a hurricane over there, and they said, well, you guys going to be okay And because the hurricane just occurred. And I said, yeah, it's going to clean all the shit off the streets and probably give them a spa, you know? Right. Like, um, Cubans probably think it's a spa. So, so okay. Whatever. Let's, okay, whatever. Let's get into George Brett. Okay, so, okay, George yeah. Brett, look, I've, I've met people that have met George Brett, and he's what he was my favorite, one of my favorites. I like third baseman, but, right. okay. You played with George Brad. You roomed with him, right? Right. Is he a fucking asshole? He has turned into one. That's what I've heard. <laughs> and, Go ahead. Uh, so, but uh, unfortunately, you know, he's a Hall of Fame guy. He's probably one of the best hitters I've ever seen. And, you know, George, we, I have a chapter in my first book called George is George. Right, and but, it but, depends on what, you know, whatever. You but know, but the, the one thing about George Brett that I like about him, it's just yeah. like, I'm fifty. I'm going to be fifty-two next week. Okay, but the thing yeah. is, yeah, I, I like third baseman, but I like okay. But here's the thing, um, I think George Brett's stories are like awesome, like the pine tar thing, and like he like. Did you ever see the one where he said he like shit his pants? I mean, he doesn't have a problem yeah. talking. You ever seen that one? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's normal clubhouse stuff, you know. <laughs> well, but I mean, is, is that the way he talks? Just normally, like I shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, that's George. And he could, yeah, I could see him doing that. Yeah, it's about right. <laughs> but you, yeah, it's course. But you, right? You are like uh, this is Mark Littell. He was a pitcher for the Royals in the seventies, and then. Uh, Went to the, but you're uh, Whitey Herzog's guy, right? Yeah, I, I, I had Whitey in uh, Kansas City and St. Louis. He actually wrote my foreword on my first book. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, the guy who invented uh, Roundup, Jerry Calder, grew up four miles from me. He's a genius, invented Roundup. <laughs> and then the uh, he's, uh, he's a pretty interesting guy. And, Senator Kid Bond had a few things to say that were really cool about me, and uh, I think on the back of my book, even I'm, there's a guy uh, over at Salt Salt River Project. He can he has a lot of say on the water, and uh, he's a pretty interesting guy. His name was uh, 
Mark Farmer, and and Mark said, uh, yeah, Mark Mark knows one speed in life, full effing throttle. Life's crazy, crazy roller coaster brings pure experience to a real country boy. Friend, coach, mentor, and in many times prime example of questionable inbreeding. I'm humbled to know him and elated that he shares what few experience. That's from Mark. So that's one of the things on the back. And, and the, the one thing that, like, Mark, it's like you made it to the majors through the royal system. Right. Okay, like Jim Wolford. I mean, he's actually I've talked to him once in a while. He like he like he's like uh, he invests money and stuff. Um, he's I, a great guy. I talked to Wolfie last night. He's in Australia. Oh, he is. Okay, yeah, he, he's yeah, but he like he gave me like investment advice and stuff. So he's a cool dude. Um, but yes, here's, he is. but okay, okay. So now we're like where where we're at. I, I went down to the bar and hey, I'm not yes. gonna lie to you. I did have a few pops. Okay. So don't don't judge don't judge me on this, but here's the thing: I went down to the mm. bar and said I'm going to interview you, and as soon as mm. I, I I go, yeah, the guy who like threw the pitch to Chris Shambles, I go, I, and I go, I, you're that's that's your claim to fame. It's like what would, what was going through your mind? <laughs> get the hell. Get, get everybody get off the field so we can play the damn game. They had like a seven minute delay and I was freezing my ass off. Yeah. But I only gave up one home run that whole damn year. And uh, No, I know that, but that I was, mean but like yeah. here's, but here's what I want to say. I thinking. No, what I was thinking yeah. what I'm thinking here is like because I went to nineteen eighty six, I like I I'm an Angels guy. I, I like go to the the Angels Angels ballpark. And Donnie Moore, yeah. you know, when Donnie Moore gave up that home run and they committed suicide, I mean, that never I played, with, I played with Donnie. I know I knew Donnie very well, actually. He used to fish Why? quite a bit when we were playing with the Cardinals. Why the hell did he kill yeah. himself? I mean, it's like over one home run. Well, I don't know if it was over one home run or what was going on, but, you know, there, there is a lot of, I guess there's a lot of pressure with some people, but I know closers like me, you know, like, you know, we all come up as starters back then, and then all of a sudden they, they find out that this guy's a two-pitch pitcher, and all of a sudden, if you, if, you, if you throw him out there about every other day, he responds pretty good. And, he, and the biggest thing is he's got a three to five IQ, so he's got a closer mentality. You know, okay. he's got no brains. So, How about, there you okay, go. you play with Lee Smith? <laughs> I didn't play with Lee Smith. You know, he was, he was on the other side. Oh, okay. You know, Suter, Suter came over, and yeah, uh, when my when my arm went shot, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Bruce took over. I was I was pretty much fried, and but uh, you know, back then it was kind of interesting because I, I there was a bunch of really stupid statistics on me, but I threw 60, 60 appearances or somewhere about with over hundred innings, which is extremely rare mm -hmm. for somebody to even last that long. They didn't know how to use a closer really back then. Uh, no, but, but okay, but wait a minute, wait a minute. But you followed Whitey Herzog. Did he go to the Cardinals after the Royals? Yep. Yeah, so, so basically, he yeah. just he brought you along with him, right? No, I was already over there. I was traded. But Whitey already told me the, the year before that, hey, I'll see you somewhere down the line because he said Kaufman and I don't get along. So I said, yeah, I, I kind of knew that. So whatever. And uh, sure enough. We were all we were all talking out in the outfield when Ken Boyer got fired, and 
he said, who's going to be the new manager? And they were naming off names, naming off names. We were just BSing, you know? And, so, and I said, well, I can tell you exactly who's going to be the manager. It's going to be Whitey Herzog. Because yeah. Jesse Bush is the same kind of guy that Whitey is. And they said, yeah, you're right. I forgot about him. Two days later, he was our manager. Yep. So, and then, okay, but did, okay, when, you're, when your arm, okay, I, you, know who Don, you know who Don DeMola is? Don DeMola. Uh, I'll just tell you. He said, he, he pitched for the Expos, okay? and But he says that, like, certain managers burn their pitchers' arms out. It's like they sent them down to, like, uh, Winter League and, and burn them out. And then, did you ever, that never right. happened to you? That never happened to you? Well, that's what happened to me because I came up when I was 20 in 1973. I came up ahead of George, and George and I were playing in Omaha. Uh, I missed a month of the season because I had to go to the big leagues. I didn't even go to big league camp, and I was nine and one like by June eighth or something. And so they had to do something with me, or somebody was going to claim me somewhere. And so they pulled me up, and I came into Baltimore to pitch. And then it's basically, you know, who's the big bat boy over there? Mm-hmm. Well, that's kids going to start two days from now against Baltimore. So that's that's what I did. I started and I went like six and a third and gave up two runs, one earned run, no decision. And then we came back into Kansas City and I found out really what was real baseball was all about when we played the the Oakland A's at the time. <laughs> right. So and uh, so you know that's that's the way it what was. Is, and then I went it? back down a month later, finished sixteen and six, got pitcher of the year, all that crap in AAA. Who cares? You're not in the big leagues. Call me back up, pitch, go to winter ball. I had 319 innings in. I go back in 74 to spring training. I, mean, I just got out of, of winter ball in January, whatever, because we went to the playoffs. So my arm was pretty much shot. That was McKeon then. That was McKeon. If you, Tra- if uh, tra- you have, oh, Trader Jack? Trader Jack. Trader Jack. Yeah, if, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you want to bet on somebody, bet on all the managers that know their pitching staffs. So that's who's going to be in, be in the whole shebang at the end. You know, well, not well. Billy Martin, Billy Martin never did that. He like blew up the A's. He like he ruined their all of their arms. You know. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, and then you know, but he did have some horses over with the Yankees. Of course, you know, you know. Like I said, you know, you know, Goose and Goose and I are pretty much the same. You know, we're brainless guys. You know, hey, give us the ball, we'll go out there. You know, you know, Sparky Law the same way. You go out there, you throw. We're going to try to get you out some way, even if we're not, you know, a hundred percent. What, whatever we feel like that day. Okay, so okay, you don't even know what we're going to get into the eighties. I mean, this is when you're okay. Uh, I, Billy Sample is my friend, and I talked to him on my show a couple times. And he Good says, guy. okay, but he goes something about collusion or some like bullshit that happened in the '85, and they like they like oh, yeah. what happened? Tell me about that. I'm not really big on the collusion. There were certain ball players involved in that. That uh, it was with the ownership, and actually, what they were trying to do was hold out a little bit. And it's kind of like somebody was talking about that today, even. Because some of the players are not signing right now, they said, "Well, I'm 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 going to hold out through spring training." I said, "Well, with all the money nowadays out there, I said, Jesus Christ, just make a deal and go play." But right. you know, I don't. I guess he went over the hundred hundred million mark. All these new, are you, new no, guys. Wait, 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 other guys that haven't signed yet, though. 
that's a different that's a different what? story. That's a different story. Like a hundred million versus five hundred thousand in nineteen eighty five. I mean, there, there's a different. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh no, I know exactly what you're saying. But I think it's funny because but there's there's a hundred guys not even uh, that they're still out there in free agency, and then uh, they got thirty days till pitchers you know go to camp basically roughly, and uh, but the collusion thing was uh, that, that was. Uh, that was a big, long lawsuit that lasted, I don't know how long, but uh, finally, you know, they proved the ownership wrong and uh, somebody had to shell out a hell of a lot of money. But, but, but Mark, and which Mark, they had. Mark, in your era, did you ever, like, understand your money? Did you understand how it was coming and, like, what we were doing? Or did you, like, just pitch? You didn't, like, I mean, did you, were you business-like? I mean, back when you were well. Pitching? I, I had I had lost some money, and, but it wasn't so much because it was on a, just a certain things. And uh, actually, my dad helped me, but it was and I agreed with him. But it was like during the Carter era on farming, and uh, I bought a farm, and you know the interest rates went all to hell, and everything went all to hell there for a few years, and that's what happened. But you know that was that's just the way it is. You know I understood that, but. A lot of guys back then just didn't know, and, you know, they were just, okay, I'm a baseball player. I mean, I'm a baseball player, but, you know, I, I, I like coaching because I went into coaching. I, went, I was right. coaching for 18 years. I'm still doing it, and, you know, you know, I came up with the Nutty Buddy thing, so that's kind of interesting, too. That's a yes. whole story in itself. Yeah, well, that's well, a really this, interesting but no, but it's interesting story. that it's just I think that you're, like, connected in a way, like the mm. Nutty Buddy thing and, and all that. You just – Look, here's here's the way I look at it. You are mm. a re, you're a real person. I mean, sometimes I, I see these baseball players are not real people. Like I'm gonna tell you a story. Yeah, I get you. Oh, can I tell you a story? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I used to put on like sports memorabilia shows here in California. Oh. Okay. And uh, Oral Hershiser. Ever met him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guy? Well, yeah, I know him because I coached for the Dodgers here. Yeah. Okay, so so like okay, so I did in nineteen eighty. No, after he did the Don Drysdale, he beat John Drysdale's record. So, and he lived next door, uh, pretty close, pretty close to next door to me. And okay, I invited him to come over because I had little leaguers come over and I like, sign autographs and stuff. And uh-huh. and I sure. go. So the first year before he didn't break Don Drysdale's record, he showed up in flip flops and and like on shorts and stuff. But then the second uh-huh. year, I, I go, oh, my God, Oral Hershiser broke the record and, and of Don Drysdale. And I go, uh-huh. I, I'm not going to ask him. You know what happened? So I, I'm, like, sitting here at the ticket ticket thing with the little the little kids, the little little ears, and Oral Hershiser uh-huh. shows up and I go, what the hell's wrong with you? Why didn't you invite me this year? And I go, wow. After He broke the record. And then he, he was really, he's a real person. I go that yes, just, that ta- that taught me a lesson. It's like yes, I should have invited him, even though he broke that record. I thought, well, he's not going to talk to me anymore. Is that well? You, you see I what gonna, I'm saying? Oh, he's a great guy. You know, Sandy uh, Colfax. I got to know another great guy. You know, that's the whole thing about you know baseball. That's one of the prerequisites that you try to find is the character of the person because when you go through some really, really tough times, you've got to dig down deep with your own self, you know, to bring yourself up from those bottoms. 
And uh, that's like the home run that everybody in the bar is asking about, you know, the shambles thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the guy on the other end. You're the, oh, shab- the, you're the shambles guy. But, yeah, I'm the shambles guy. So anyway, uh, they, they go down there and they say, oh, well, well the, the Royals were more concerned about how in the hell this young guy is going to re- rebound or is he going to rebound? Is he going to freak out, you know, because he's just had a hell of a year, one of the best years in baseball. And I was—I just happened to be an idiot and dumb and young, and and then this home run happens, and so. But I came back, I rebounded, I, I got a save in Detroit, and I came back, and I, we opened up of all things in Kansas City with the New York freaking Yankees. And our first game, Split Off was pitching, and I took over for him, and I threw four four innings of no hit ball, and I, I ended up getting to win that night against the Yankees. You know, the next year, so right. that was kind of interesting. But you know what was really funny was when I went back into New York and we stayed at the New York Sheridan, and it was right across from Carnegie Hall. And so I'm sitting out there, and I was going to meet a buddy of mine from the Boot Heel, Boot Heel, and 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 uh, we were going to go out for lunch. And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "It's not very far, but you might want to take a cab ride." I said, well, "Okay." So I'm sitting. I walk down to the lobby, and I see all these long-coated guys out there. You know you know, the hops and everything. And then all these fans are out there. Oh my gosh. I mean, they they really loaded up in New York, uh, you know, when you're trying to get out the door and I, and I was like, gosh, dog. And this guy, the bell, the bellman comes over and he says, Mark, he said, "Uh, what's wrong? And I said, ah, I got to try to get a cab. I got a friend I'm going to meet for lunch. And he said, Oh, that's no problem. He says, come with me. So I go back around to the side of the, with him, go and go through this area, this, 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 go to this side door. He whistles, you know, loud. And this cab driver comes up and I said, gee, thank you. Really appreciate that. I hop in the cab and the guy says, where are you going? I says, so-and-so and so-and-so. He turns around, he looks at me and he says, hey, you Mark Littell. And I said, yeah. He said, hey, rise on me, bitch. <laughs> so, that was unreal. You know, it's just like we have these people in the chat room. They want me to ask you questions. Okay, do you want to hear some of these yeah. questions? Okay, sure. what is a Rick roll? Why would they ask this? Say what now? What is a Rick roll? I don't know what a Rick roll is. Can you eat it? No, no, no. <laughs> I think it has Rick Astley in mind, but hold on a second. So they call you country. Okay, they call you country. They're like in my chat room now. Country. Right. They, yeah. go, they go, hey, yeah. hey, could country get a gallon of milk in his mitt, the, 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 that giant mitt you had? Yeah. Matter of fact, I did that so nobody would hammer, hammer my damn face. Yeah. Your, your, your mitt was as big as your head. Well, my head's about seven and three-quarter. Bochy's is eight. And because uh, I was Bochy's pitching coach in the high desert, Victorville, of all places. And uh, so we, we were there with the pods, and uh, we actually beat the Dodgers out that year when uh, Pedro Martinez and Piazza were on the other team in Bakersfield. You know who, my, you and, know, uh, I, you know who I went to school with? I went to school with Jimmy Campanis, <laughs> uh, Al Campanis' grandson. And, oh, uh, wow. That's pretty cool. No, 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 but we were like buddies. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like anything other than – you know, it's just baseball, baseball, baseball. But I, I, I look. I could never play baseball. I'm too fat and I'm too slow. And I mean, I didn't have any, my my eyes don't my eyes don't work and everything else. But I mean, yeah. 
like I don't know about you and Eric, but you you seem to like you're the cream of the crop. You like came out of you, you actually made the major leagues. That's that's cool. Well, yeah, it was fun. You know, I mean, when I was uh, throwing batting practice, I threw batting practice for the first time. This has been my book in Billings, Montana, and all these California guys are around there, and I was kind of looking over my shoulder in the shower all the time for them. But I'm just saying. I mean, I was from the Midwest, and I said, Hi, my name is Mark Patel. I'm from Guinea, Missouri. Where did you say you was from, boy? So anyway, that's, that's how I was, you know, really talking back then. And the first time I threw batting practice, I threw on the second day, and I was trying to figure all this stuff out because they had all these screens up, and I'd never thrown behind an L screen before. So this this hitter gets in there, and I had a catcher, and so I said, Well, screw you. I'm going to let – I'm ripping it out. Screw you. So I didn't know what batting practice was. I thought I was supposed to get him out. Well – so the manager comes out there, and that was the guy who actually signed me. It was Gary Blaylock, and he was the 85 pitching coach for the Royals when they won it, you know, as well. So Gary comes out there, and he says, they, they, they call me Mark then. I got my name country the next day from right. Joe Flash Gordon, and then Spider Jorgensen were there as well. So two heavyweights, they were pretty good guys. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there, you know, throwing and shit, and so he, Gary – Came out there halfway and said, "Hold it!" He said, "He said, damn it!" He said, "Damn it, Mark!" He says, "He said, throw that shit all over the place. This is just batting practice, damn it!" I said, "I said, okay." Well, I mean, it's like I said, I like to sit to myself. I said, "Well, I've never thrown batting practice before in Gideon, Missouri." So anyway, uh, I see this guy take off down there to first. And he's behind the screen and got a guy from UCLA over there. Uh, and, uh, and then I got a, a guy from U- USC catching me. Is Craig Perkins at the uh, University of Special Children. And then I got the USC guy over there on first, uh, Dave Landers. And then I got a guy taking a lead. So I, he said, go to a set position. And, you know, Gary yelled out at me. So I went to a set position. I said, well, hell, if this guy gets a damn lead, I'm going to pick that song bitch off. So <laughs> he was taking throws. The first baseman was taking throws from the shortstop, actually, which I didn't, you know, pay attention to and didn't give a shit, really. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I come set, you know, and I said, well, he got a pretty big lead. So I just threw over there. And so when I threw over it, there was another throw coming in at his head and one was at his nuts. And it missed, both of them missed him. And he just threw his glove down. Everybody on the field just hit the ground laughing, the whole <laughs> club and all the coaches. So, and, and, and Gary came out there, God damn it, he said, throw the damn ball to the plate. Just throw the pl- ball to the plate. I said, okay, okay. So, okay, next day, uh, uh, Joe Flash Gordon, Joe Gordon, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. He said, where is that old country boy? I kind of like his ass. Where is he? <laughs> So that's how I got my nickname, country. You know what? It's just it's like you, you don't give a shit, do you? No, not really. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'll teach these guys. It's like, there, it's like, you're like, this is, I wish our country would go back to be like this. It's like, I don't give it. That's my show. I don't give a shit either. Right? It's like, I just talk the way I talk. And if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Like, uh, is that okay to say yeah. that? Yeah. You gotta have fun, you know. And I mean, I just tell it like it is. And I mean, if, if if I'm wrong, I'll raise my hand. And if I screwed up, I say, "Hey, I screwed up. I'll raise my hand." Right. But you know, you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, I mean, hey. Hey, hold on. Hey, just Mark. Let it be. Mark, I just peed my pants. Oh no, shit! I'll be down. <laughs> Damn. See, it's like, you got, it's like yeah. You got a loose kidney somewhere. 
I, no, I'm just drink, messing, I'm just messing around. Drink, with you, drink more cran- cranberry juice, less gin. You know, it's like you've done stupid things in your life, and you just go, "Well, what the hell? How did I get in this position?" And it's like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I used to mark for DDT planes all the time. That's how I got screwed up because I was yelling at the end of the day. Usually, my mom was all pissed off at my dad, her being an RN and registered nurse, and mm-hmm. and dad would say, "Go out there and mark for that." And I love those steermen, those those bi wing steermen's coming at you. <laughs> but uh, we we had a guy coming out there. I used to pick rocks up. I was bored, you know, because I'm ADD, so I started flipping rocks up at the propeller. And so I got to hitting those things pretty good. And, you know, that was a pretty big engine because it'd roar. And you'd hear that go, like a, like a 22 or something. And so, you know, John Huey, I'd, I'd drive back. I was 14 years old. I was driving, you know, on the road then. So John, I'd go back and help him load the plane back up and mix all the chemicals. And then John came over there. He hollered at me. He said, Mark, get over here. And I said, yes, sir, because I had to have that Marine yes, sir, come out of my mouth. Right. And so and so John John was a, a fighter pilot over in Germany, and he said, I don't think you can afford to buy me a propeller. And I said, uh, no, sir. And he said, you see those nicks in that propeller? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, he said, well, that's not real good. And he said, let me tell you something else. You know that zing that goes by when it goes zing like that? And I said, yes, sir. That, and I said, that's when I knew he had done it, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So, and I said, yes, sir. And he said, he said, well, that can, that can go right, that can put a hole right through your head. And I said, well, I've already been told I had a hole in my head, so it didn't matter. So anyway, I, I figured out right then and there I better cut that shit out. So that's what happened. I cut it out. Okay, let's, you know. I want to ask you a few more questions. What's your favorite music? What, what do you listen to? Tiffany. Tiffany? What? What? Wait, wait, wait. Back off. Tiffany, like, from the Tiff- 80s? Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, uh, anything like that. Calms me. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, wait, wait. Oh, so you're into, like, uh, classical music? Yes. Mm-hmm. Symphony, classical. Yeah, sure. Oh, really okay. like it, you know. Everybody thinks I like country music. You know, the new shit I hate, I like the old stuff. Mm-hmm. The you know all this other this new shit. I mean, they're not real country people. They're kind of fake. You know? Okay, go give me give me this one. Mm-hmm. Desert Island, your, your top five. You have to take with you. Go give it to me. Sorry, sorry, one more time. Would you uh, say if you're on a desert island, you have two uh, five songs. Give them to me. Oh gosh. Well, you got Beethoven's Fifth, and you know, I hate to say this, but I do like Elvis a lot too. You take so, Elvis and any of, any of his songs, any, any songs of Johnny Cash, I like a lot. Uh, uh, anything with violin, I like a lot. Uh, the women are okay, but I like the guys better. Uh, or uh, Buddy Holly, not Buddy Holly, but uh, the guy with the other glasses. Uh, there's three Buddy, of them there. I can Buddy see. Holly? Buddy Holly? Not, not Buddy Holly, but the other guy... Orbital. Oh, Roy, Roy Orbison, Roy Orbison. Roy Orbison, yeah, Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly and all those guys. I was in a prison talking. That's in my first book, too, about uh, Roy Orbison and, and Buddy Holly. But, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting because John, John, Gacy was in, John Gacy was in that dang, damn same prison I was talking. I didn't even know it. Are you kidding me? There. You actually know John Wayne Gacy and that, those clown pictures and stuff? 
the clown picture. Yeah, yeah, all that crap. He was at Menard Correctional Institution. I thought it was for kids. That, guy was, Christ, you know? that guy was a freaking <laughs> weird. Oh, he like he like buried people in his backyard. Oh yeah, he's at like thirty two <laughs> at least somewhere in there. And like, and, okay, uh, hung you out. Know, hey, 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 yeah. Mark, you want to tell you this story? When I, I, I. I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I got a, I got some DUIs under my belt, but yeah, yeah. I went in, I went into uh, the hospital, and I, I told the nurse yeah. I'm gonna go Jeffrey Dahmer on her, and then, and then yeah. all of us, they, they, they sent me the insane asylum. I go, oh, I'm not really insane, but <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I'm going, I'm you, going Dahmer. Huh? You know, if you were in Phoenix you went, and you had our pile over there, you would have gone to Ten City and worn pink underwear with uh, with green baloney and, and uh, no smokes and no Playboys. That's, and, you know, so that that's, that's that was Sheriff Joe, you know. Yeah, I so know. It's just, maybe, maybe you got lucky on that DUI by going to the right place rather than the, you know, Maybe, City. but I was like, what would they call it, like 30 days in the hole or something? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, I like I like talking to you because you're a real guy. I mean, you're not you're not like a fake person. Well, I had an Aunt B, and she's in my book, and she had red hair, gold tooth, and when she died, she's worth a little bit over three million dollars. That was twenty years ago. And uh, I, I got a, a picture of me and her, and I'm in a, my John Travolta dress up outfit, I guess, and Aunt B sitting there, and. You know, she ran, uh, her and her husband owned this place called El Morocco. And uh, she, they had to pay the uh, mafia from St. Louis off a little bit because they had some card games going on, some pool sharks, and they had some some uh, some women running around there. And Aunt V ran the women. and uh, But she was also, you know, on the Methodist church where I went. She was a pillar of basically the whole community. But... She took Eric and I, my brother and I, down to uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, the same place Bill Clinton. That, that's where I, that, no, there. that's where my family's from. Yeah, they're all mafia then. But anyway, so the thing about it is, or inbreeds. But the funny thing was, is that Hot Springs, Arkansas, Aunt B was sitting there telling us. She says, "You know, honey," she says, "When we was uh, back here during the '40s, you know." We never paid for it. We never paid a dime for a thing. Yeah, I got laughing on that because, you know, Mafia paid it off. That's pretty funny. So okay. Hot Springs, Arkansas, you got relatives out that way, huh? That's, that's no, pretty no, good area. Uh, my grandparents grew up in the Dust Bowl era. They, oh, they, wow. They grew up there. That's They came out here. My grandfather, like, he went to Michigan. Wow. He went to Michigan in World War Two. And I've been watching a lot of these, like, uh, Band of Brothers and like uh, these videos, like on on uh, HBO, and I yeah. I went into a bar last night, and they go, "But you weren't there, so you don't understand." To like old people, it's like I want to, mm -hmm. I, I really do want to understand. But it's like they they like chastise me, and they say, "You know what? You don't get it." It's like I do. I'm trying to get it. Do you understand? <laughs> I'm young. I was born. I was right. I was born in 1966. Gotcha. Yep. So, but it doesn't, it, you know, my, my dad and mom took us out to Hyde Ashbury about 1966. That was pretty interesting. They have two Missouri boys out there, you know, in San Francisco watching these people running around naked. So that's pretty funny. No, but but the, then, thing, uh, the, the thing is, it's like, how do old people, like, they, they, like, fought in the war? Tell me. Yeah. Or they tell me, okay, well, you weren't there, so you don't understand. 
Well, then just say, tell me then. <laughs> That's it. You know? Zombie just said, do you understand? It's like, but yeah. Look, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I was watching. I wasn't there. I, was when, I wasn't there when George Brett hit the pine tar hit. I wasn't there, but I, I understand it. Yeah, I get it. The, uh, <laughs> I, you know, the funny thing about uh, baseball sometimes, you see a lot of, you know, fights that break out sometimes in, in clubhouses, especially on the winning teams. It's because uh, there's there's a lot of, you know, hyper going on. But, hey, you know, you know I mean, it, it's uh, you're in your own uh, little aura right there, but all of a sudden somebody upsets somebody and they, they go ape shit. You know, it's pretty funny because and then they calm down and then they're friends again. So, but, but, uh, but you, you are, you're, I know. you're all like, this is, this is like Mark Littell. He's always going to be the Chris Shambliss dude. I mean, this is all I can say about you. <laughs> I mean, it's not. I'm not trying to like drag you down, but in yeah. baseball, he fuck baseball. This guy has stories from his childhood, and it's good. I like it. And you need to go uh, check out his book. Go ahead. Well, thank you. You know, uh, country boy, conveniently wild. I was talking about my dog Fritz. Yeah, we had a German Shepherd named Fritz, and I remember when we got him as a pup. And I said, the one thing that we did with Fritz, because he used to bite, he bit a guy's ear off once taking a swing at me. And and I and I told him not to take a swing. He said, what you going to do? And the guy took another swing and bit him. Damn, Fritz bit his ear off. I said, well, I told you what happened. So anyway, he would have been the Van Gogh of Budio, but they, uh, they sewed the damn thing back on. But uh, I was talk, telling people, I said, well, how did you get that dog, you know, to do all that stuff? I said, well, we, we fed him really good and gave him water every day and, and and, and we didn't cut his nuts off, so he had an edge on him. So whatever. So, I think that's, that's the, the way we kept him. I, I think that's the interview. Hey, hey, but Mark, can we keep it? Keep we can like keep in contact, right? Mm-hmm. All the time, anytime. I'm a redneck. I wake up anytime. Uh oh. Oh, hey, Mark. Look, there's the, the police are. I don't know. These there's like ambulance coming down my street right now. See, here's yep. another, here's another, I'm going to tell you this right now. I see it like there's like uh, an ambulance. I oh. <coughs> hold on. The, the the like the lights are running around. Yeah, it is. It's like yep. there's. I live in an area where old people are old. Yeah, it's like it's like, and they they die in a, on a daily basis. I mean, it's like, what am I going to do? That's that's my other problem. Well, that's like going to spring training in St. Petersburg. You know, the same thing. We see guys, we count the guys that die in the stands, how many medics they have during a game up there. Uh, at least you got to have you a know? sense of humor. <laughs> Everybody dies on a daily basis. There you go. I said, shit, there's six six people died today. Damn. You know, because we, we talk to the ambulance crews because they're always around. How many people die? We got a bet on it, you know? There you go. <laughs> All right, Mark. Hey, you're a cool dude. I want to. I want to talk to you again. Now I got to come up with some more questions for you. Okay, anytime. But I, I've enjoyed the visit here, Trevor. It's uh, been super, and I and I uh, I liked. And uh, the guys call me shambless guy, but uh, maybe not tomorrow. But tonight, no, 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 I'm, no, I'm no. okay with it. No, but you're the guy that gets hit in the balls with like baseballs and stuff. 
Yeah, that's true. I do take a few shots to the nuts. Man, I wrote a damn bull named Playboy about three and a half years ago because I'm 65. I'm six, almost 61 when that happened. And we cut an infomercial because bull riders were my cup. And that son of a bitch broke my, cracked my pubic bone. And I thought, damn, that's the worst thing pain I've ever been in my life. And I didn't get out of bed for four days. But, but the bull's name was Playboy. You can go on YouTube, Nutty Buddy Bull Ride, and watch it. Or you can go on YouTube and watch me get hit in the nuts all day by on you know, tons of shows. I yeah, guess. yeah. You just go on, go on like uh, YouTube and like put Mark Latella there. He gets hit in the balls by his like uh, nutty buddy. Yeah, well, we, but, yeah but... just put nutty buddy bull ride or nutty. Just put YouTube nutty buddy, and then and you'll see all that crap that comes. Okay, up. I'm gonna end the Unreal. interview. I'm gonna end the interview this way. Okay, so how did you how did you get into like pro, like uh, protecting guys' balls? I mean, how how how'd that happen? I was coaching with the Dodgers, and uh, I, I was having some, some fun and eating my pitcher's butt out one day just for fun. And so I got off on a subject. I said, how many of you guys wear a cup? And half of them raised their hand. I said, yeah, I figures. You know, you guys are going to have no nuts. I said, I've been in the game a long time. I've seen two guys lose their nuts, you know, go to the line drives. And I said, they were howling. And one of the guys said in the back, said, hey, lift. Why don't you just go go and vent one of them bastards? And I said, well, screw you. I think I will. So I went into the uh, training room after that was all over and told them to go run their asses off. And I went in the training room, got this plastic shit you put down in the hydroculator. I asked the trainer for it. I got two golf balls, and then I started cutting it around, and I, and I made it, and I bent it over. And I said, well, this thing will work. And I, I brought it back out the next day, and I said, you were wondering about that cup. I said, hey, here it is. And they said, wow, that's pretty cool. Nobody's ever done anything like that. I said, well, probably, probably not. Who knows? They said, you should get it patented. I said, nah. So a month later, I checked into it. And, you know, uh, so a friend of mine uh, got me in line with a, a patent lawyer in Kansas City. And I called him. And uh, so I shipped it over. And the secretary asked me, she said, what is this? And I said, it's a gas mask. I said, go in and show your boss and wear it in there. It's the new gas mask out. And so she did, and I hung up. And she called me back about two minutes later. That's awesome. So, whatever. No, it's not not whatever. It's it's like because you, you like created something out of people's balls and shit. And like, and it's, it's like, it's all because of you. It's fun because I I won five awards (laughs) over this and I got a kind of a funky brain. But the damn uh, Nike people, the engineers said to me, I mean, I've been to where they test it with the military because I go to military shows and our, my cup is classified level 3A. That's the only cup that's classified, actually, by the way. And then, so in other words, it can catch a 9 millimeter. And I said, I'll take that shot because I was there when they did it. It you caught know it, actually. I'm telling you, like, what, what, like, like what, what, what happens, like, when you, like, uh, the end of like, look, I'm going to die. I mean, I already know, I'm, but here's the thing, but your, your life is going to be like the nutty buddy. They're going to like, like pin that on you. That's, that's your life. And then they're going to go, that's the nutty buddy guy. No, it's a shameless guy. It's a shameless guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, well, you got the shameless guy and the nutty buddy guy. Like, We're flipping coins, you know, which, what's he going to be today? You know, and he, you know, my, you know, my, my sizes on the cup are, 
Oh, Hammer, Boss, Hog, Trophy, and Mongo. That's the way they sell. Hammer, Boss, Hog, Trophy, Mongo. That's what, There's no small, medium, and large. You don't want to go up to the good-looking chick and have a small in your hand. You know, every eighth grader wants a Mongo. He wants the biggest son of a bitch there. I so, know. And yeah. it's crazy. Anyway, Trevor's Mongo. Uh, everybody wants sorry? to say, they want to say they're glad you were on. I told the girl next, What? They somebody found on the rape. These, these people are weird. I don't. I don't want to talk to them about rape and stuff. But like the, <laughs> nut, the nutty, the nutty buddy has nothing to do with the raping. I mean, don't you understand? No. no. Well, just, we we got one for women. If they, if she's really concerned about that, it's called the Iron Maiden. It's called the Iron Maiden, by the way. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Like we. That's like the key. Like the key to the chastity belt. Pretty much. There you go. Yep. Hey, hey, Mark, I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to say thank you. I mean, we did it. You asked me, I said, I think we did an hour. It's good. All right? Oh, cool. Good. But, but no, fun. no, no, but that's not, I'll call you again. Yes, of course. I want to catch I yeah. want to catch up with you because everybody is enjoying this in the chat room. They're going, this guy's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, look at all these people talking about you. And right. There's something wrong. Yeah. Dude, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I got water monsters <laughs> up my ass all the time when I'm down at Boot Hill. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh. Now, I'm going there next week, actually. You know, I'm going down to the Boot Hill next week, you know, and uh, check out all the water monsters. There's still water monsters this time of year, man. Those bastards are, I don't know where they come out from, but geez. All right. Ooh. Well, okay, I'm going to, like, play some music out, and then uh, you can go go back to sleep. Yeah, I'll catch you later. Thanks for everything. Enjoy the visit. It was it was fun. Okay, thanks, Mark. All right, bye-bye. Blip, blip. That guy said that was the best interview they've ever done. Are you... Are you you okay. said that's the best interview ever. That's the best interview ever. Hey, hey, hold on. I'm trying to sign you off. Get out of here. I'm out. I'm fired. <laughs>